Well, welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you have just started coming maybe in the last few months, good chance we haven't met yet. Love to meet you, maybe hear how you made your way to Grace. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in today if you're watching online or if you're here in the room with us or maybe watching from our Montrose location. Uh, thanks for doing that as well. And I'm excited to walk us into the next conversation here in our series we've been in for the last few weeks now, Habits and Heartbeats, uh, sharing the story of Jesus. And this is really what it's all about. We're looking at the reality that for Christ followers, there are going to be some motivations and some passions that are going to drive our lives. Uh, there's going to be some habits, right, some regular intentional habits that we're going to have on a regular basis, and uh, that those should be normal for the follower of Jesus. And a big part of that is going to be sharing our faith, right? talking to people about Jesus. And so we've been spending some time looking at that, uh, kind of diving into it. We spent the first weekend really talking about why would a follower of Jesus be motivated to do that in the first place? Like, why would we want to share our faith? And what would motivate that decision uh, for a follower of Christ? Uh, we followed up last weekend. Pastor Joe talked us through kind of how it works when I begin to share my faith. Gave us a metaphor of kind of the farmer and the orchard and uh, some habits that go along with that. And so if you missed either of those conversations, highly encourage you to catch up online. And uh, you can do that. Watch those or listen to those messages for sure. And what I want to do today is really dive into a conversation about what happens when I begin to share my faith. Like when I start picking up that heartbeat and I start to exercise that habit, I start to talk to people about Jesus, what does that do to me? Kind of what's the impact that that has on a follower of Jesus? And what we're going to see is that when I start sharing my faith, what happens is it starts to change my life. And as my life starts to change, it actually helps me to share my faith that those things are connected to each other. And we're going to see how that connection works. And I think it's going to be very, very helpful for all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, of course, it's going to be helpful to kind of revisit some of those habits and heartbeats to see how that connection of sharing my faith changes my world and my life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I think this is going to be very helpful as in that it describes what's normal for a Christ follower. If you're investigating the Christian faith saying, I, I don't know yet if I want to follow Jesus, uh, this conversation and the other ones I think will help to lay that out and say, this is kind of what's normal for somebody that says, I want to follow Jesus. These are the heartbeats. They are the habits. And uh, this is kind of what we live for, what it's all about. So that's the conversation we're going to dive into today. And uh, I'm excited to have my handy whiteboard with me this weekend. If I, you've been around Grace for a while, you know this is deeply uh, held in my heart. I'm a teacher by nature. And so if you didn't know that about me, you know, I love the whiteboard. And so it's kind of a retro weekend whiteboard throwback. It's good stuff. So let's go ahead and, and dive into a conversation about where this all begins. And if I'm going to say, okay, I got to start somewhere. Wh where do I start? I'm going to start, let's just say we start with the decision to start sharing our faith, right? I'm going to start sharing my faith and I begin to start to talk to somebody about Jesus, here's my argument, is that when I start sharing my faith, that that starts to do some things to me, whether I realize it or not. 
because the reality is my faith is very, very personal. It's something that I, right, I believe in Jesus. It affects my deepest priorities. It affects my closest held values, right? So, so when I hold my personal faith, it's a big deal. And for many of us, that faith is going to be personal, and it's going to also remain private, Many of us are going to have a hard time sharing that faith with someone else. When I do that, when I move my faith from the private to the public, and I begin to tell someone else about it, all of a sudden I've made a faith move, right? I've crossed a line where it's not just kind of me and Jesus and my personal faith in him. Now I've included other people into that. I'm sharing a deep part of myself with them. And my argument is when I start sharing my faith, it's going to do some things in me. I'm going to argue that it's going to start stretching my faith in some very real ways. Right? It's going to start to stretch my faith. Say, why would that happen? Why is sharing my faith going to lead to stretching my faith? Well, here's why. When I take my personal faith and I begin to give it to you, I tell you about Jesus and about what I believe in, automatically I know intuitively that there's really probably one of two responses that are going to come back as I start to open my mouth and start to share about Jesus. One is you're, you're going to be drawn to it. Uh, two, you might be repelled from it. If you're drawn to it, all of a sudden I've got a set of questions that I'm not sure how I'm going to answer. You, you might be interested in my faith. You might want to know more. You might even say, hey, Ryan, I, I want to come to know Jesus. Can you tell me how to make that decision right now? Like, if I wanted to start to follow Christ today, how, how do I do that? And you might say, man, I don't even know if I have an answer for that right now. I'm not sure I could, I could answer that question. And, and by just taking the risk to start talking about Jesus, we open up ourselves to that possibility that we're not going to have the answers when somebody needs them. Right? So, so they might want to know more. They might be curious or intrigued. Am I going to have what they need if they have an interest in Christ? The flip side is also true, right? They, they might be a little bit repelled by our message. Uh, they might be turned off or apathetic. Are they going to view our relationship differently? Are we still going to be friends? Is there going to be tension in, in our relationship now because I've introduced this faith element that wasn't there before? Am I going to respond in a gracious manner? Like if they disagree with me, am I going to be that person that loses their mind in a faith argument and destroys their credibility? Is that what's going to happen? Or will I be able to navigate that in a way that would honor Jesus? Right? All of a sudden, when I start to share my faith, I'm opened up to these possibilities on either end that weren't there before. So that stretches me. Right? All of a sudden, I'm taking a risk by opening myself up and telling you about what I actually believe and who I actually follow. Now, what I think happens when I start having my faith stretched, when I start having that risk of having people either be drawn to Christ or repelled from him because we're having a conversation, I think it starts to do some things in me. It really kicks off this cycle in me where it starts not only stretching me, it actually starts changing my life. It actually starts changing my life. Because now I have crossed a threshold where now I, I have to like live the message that I have 
I have believed quietly on my own over here, and now it's out there. And now these people know, and they might talk to other people, and now I'm going to be, the, in some way, the Jesus person. And so now my life, there's an accountability to my life that maybe wasn't there before. When my faith was so quiet and hidden, maybe I wasn't as accountable to that set of people or that group of people over here because they didn't really know what I believed. I hadn't shared it yet. But now that I've shared it, it's out there and I'm accountable to actually live and actually be who Jesus says that I am. I want to camp here for a little bit and talk about this life change and this deeper identity, actually, that Jesus talks about for the follower of Jesus. This is a big deal. Because what Jesus expects of us is he expects of us not just to talk about our faith, but that we ourselves are part of the message that we bring. In fact, it's tied into what Jesus would look at his followers and say, Jesus would look at his followers, his disciples, these are literally people that followed him around on the planet when he lived here on earth, and they adhered to his teaching, and they were devoted to him, and he looked at them, and he would say some things to them, and he would identify them and give them really an identity they didn't have before. Here's a couple examples. We'll look at them here in the Bible in a second. He would look at his followers and say, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Those are pretty big statements. We're going to unpack them here in a second. I want us to read through the actual passages. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open that up. It's Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 13. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. Or you can just read along here with me on the screen. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, You are salt. You are light. What does that even mean? Let's dive into it. Let's read the passage and we'll unpack it. It says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It says, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So Jesus, right away, when he's talking about the kind of life change and the kind of identity that a Christ follower has, he says, you are salt. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. In the ancient world, to understand that you are the salt of the earth, here's kind of the idea that Jesus is bringing. He, he says, your salt, what it means is you're bringing something to the earth that wasn't there before. You, you're to be distinct. You're to bring a flavor that wasn't there previously. You're salt, Right? And you're to bring this kind of distinction with you that's who you are. You don't have to earn it. It's your identity. It's, it's what I declare you to be, Jesus could say. Right? He says, you are the salt. Now, I want to make sure we catch this. When Jesus says you are salt, and he's leaning into this idea that Christ followers are called to be distinct, he's not saying that Christ followers are to be odd, for some reason, there's a variety, an innumerable amount of odd Christ followers. I'm not sure why that happens, right? We're, we're called to be distinct. We're called to be different. We're called to bring something to the planet that wasn't there before. But we are not called necessarily to be odd. And I'll just say this. If, if you're odd, that's okay. Jesus just didn't call you to be odd, right? He just didn't ask you to be. 
That's the idea. Say, Ryan, what is this distinction that Jesus has called us to have and that he's called us to be? A lot of times when we look at what it means to be salt, what it means to be distinct, it's really easy to confuse it with thinking that Jesus is calling us to be different on the outside. That the externals of life and of following Jesus are what he's talking about. So if you look back kind of in the generations, this is how it's really easy for Christ followers to look and say, you know, you need to have a certain kind of haircut. You need to wear a certain kind of clothes. Uh, You need to interact kind of externally in a certain way so that people know that you are distinct, that you're different. It's important, right? We're not of this world. We don't interact with worldly things. We are distinct. We are salt. We are light. We're different than other people. As we look at what that difference is, is that what Jesus was talking about? When Jesus said, you're the the salt, is he talking about you bring a different kind of haircut or a different kind of clothing that you, you have Jesus bumper stickers on your car or you make Jesus social media posts? Is that what he meant? It's the question, right? What do, you, what, what do you want us to do, Jesus? How do you want us to be distinct then? How do you want us to be different? When I first came to know Jesus in college, I had no religious background at all. Like I was like a total blank slate, no Sunday school, nothing. A buddy of mine told me about Jesus and I started to attend church after that. So I was like, man, I was totally earnest. I wanted to follow Christ for real. I wanted to be like a legit Christ follower. And I remember when I I first started uh, attending the church, somebody uh, was teaching me how to follow Jesus. I can't remember who it was, but somebody gave me uh, like a a big metal pin like this uh, to to wear like on a coat or to wear on the, the outside of a shirt maybe. And here's what it said. Uh, It said D period, O period, G period, dog, right? It said dog. Underneath it, it said depend on God. And I wore that on purpose for like a week, right? I wore it. And then I realized I can't do this anymore. Right? Like, I just can't. I can't wear this pin anymore on my coat. Right? On purpose. And so I took it off. And it wasn't because I didn't want to depend on God. I'm all about that. I, this, as a new believer, I recognize, I don't think this is what Jesus was talking about. Like, wear Jesus junk, and, and then you'll be distinct. And there's nothing wrong with Jesus junk. That's just not what he was talking about. There, there was, there's a deeper level of distinctness that Jesus was driving at. Right? When, when his followers followed him around on the planet, he didn't call them to necessarily dress differently. He didn't call them to abstain from, from kind of the, the non-moral parts of society. Say, listen, you don't, don't ride that donkey anymore. Right? It's worldly. Right? You get rid of that stuff. Don't, don't wear your flip-flops anymore. Just wear the Jesus brand. He didn't do any of that. He would call them to a deeper transformation that was more internal that had more to do with, with who they were than how they looked, and it had more to do with, with their heart. Here's how I'd say it in your notes. The main way that Christ followers are called to be distinct, to make sure you capture this, is in who they love, how they love, 
and in what they value. I encourage you to write that down. In who they love, how they love, and in what they value. That's where Christ followers are called to be different. Not, not in the haircut or the do we watch TV or none of that stuff. All right? It's not about the public presentation, so to say, uh, of my Jesus stuff. It's about an inward transformation. Right? Let's talk about these for a minute, about who we love. Right? For the follower of Jesus, we are people decidedly that would say we love God with all we have. And we want to treat our neighbors ourselves. This is the greatest commandment that Jesus talked about that uh, multiple times, right? That we're to love God and we're to love people. Now, when we love God with all that we have, that will radically alter how we live and how we approach life. And when we love people as ourselves, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, that will cause us to be incredibly distinct. Because when Jesus says, love people, love your neighbor. He's not saying, I just want you to love the people that look just like you. The people that think just like you. The people that vote just like you. The people that have the same behavioral decisions and moral standards as you. He wants us to love all people, regardless of how they look and what color they are, how old they are, how much money they make, or what background or what neighborhood they come from or what education they have. He would look at us and say, listen, I want you to love people, right? All people. When we love people, regardless if they love us or not, that causes us to be unbelievably distinct, to stand out like a sore thumb, right? Because today, if you disagree with me, you hate me. So if I love somebody who disagrees with me, man, that's different. Who does that? Christ followers do that, right? It's who they love. We love all people. And then how do they love? It's typical and normal for us to love in such a way, for, right, for as a culture to say, I'll, I'll love you if you love me back. I'll do something for you if you do something back for me. A follower of Jesus would say, listen, I, I want to love you selflessly, Regardless of what you do back for me, I'm choosing to love you. It's done. I've made the decision. This is what Jesus would do, right? He laid down his life totally for the benefit of the people that he died for. And this is what a Christ follower does. Not perfectly. We're going to mess it up all over the place. But this is the ideal that we're called to. This is how we're to be distinct. It's how we're to be different, right? We're to love differently, we love solely for the benefit of the person being loved. And here's the last one. We're to be distinct in what we value. What we value. Christ followers value the eternal. We value the eternal. Because we value that which will never perish. We value what will last forever. What that does, because that holds so much space in our hearts and in our minds... It allows us, causes us, to have a looser grip on the things of this life. A looser grip on the material. Well, we don't care as much about stuff. And we, we, we don't care as much about money. And we, we would even look at our lifespan and we, we would say, yeah, we don't only live once. We're going to live forever in eternity. So if I don't have all of my hopes and dreams here and now, that's okay. I'm actually trying to give my life as an offering, a sacrifice 
for people because I'm loving them. That's the goal of my life, right? Because we value the eternal. That's different. If you look and say, man, people who, who love different and love a different set of people and value a different set of things, if you look at all that and say, that person, those people are unbelievably different. They're going to stick out like a sore thumb. They're going to be salt. They're going to bring something to the planet that was not there before. A flavor, a distinctness. It's awesome when you start to think about what Jesus is saying here. When I put myself out there, I start to allow myself, because I'm accountable to the message I've just shared, to become what Jesus says that I am. To grow into the identity that Jesus says that I have. He says that I am salt, and as I share my faith, I can start becoming that more and more in practice. Now, Jesus is going to lean into this whole thing about salt a little bit more and say, hey, actually, you can, even though you're salt, you can lose your saltiness. You can lose the effect that you have on the planet. And, and here's where this happens. Say Christ followers lose their impact or their distinctness when their love and their values are nearly the same as the people they're trying to reach. So no matter what kind of t-shirt I have or what kind of post I have or bumper sticker or what I say about my faith, if my love and my values look very, very, very close to the people I'm trying to reach, there's not much impact there. Jesus would say, yeah, you've, you've lost your saltiness because you're not different on the inside. Here's how this worked in the, in the ancient world. The salt that was made is, is different than our salt today. It was made and it was very impure. And if it got moisture on it, what would happen is if you had a handful of salt, the taste of the salt would be removed, but it would look exactly like salt. Its saltiness would be gone. It looked like salt. It felt like salt. It appeared to be salt. But when you went to taste it, it tasted like nothing. And Jesus would say, listen, this is... This is good for nothing. You actually can't even throw this in your yard. It will destroy your yard. You got to throw it out in, into the street and trample it. It's good for nothing. What he's saying is that the Christ follower whose values and whose love is no different from the people around them, they bring no impact to bear. They, they, don't, they don't actually live like salt at all. And this is fascinating. When you start to dive into sharing our faith and how this all works, it starts to make sense. When my love and my values are the same as yours, it becomes really, really hard to share my faith. Because I, how am I going to bring up Jesus to you, right, to my friends when, when they know exactly what I did this last weekend? They were with me. How can I share my faith with my coworkers when I cut the same corners at work that they do and value money in the same way that they value money? But when I look at my neighbors and, and I want to share my faith with them, but they know all the drama that's happening in my family and I'm too proud to admit it and own it and tell them I'm having a hard time. Right? When salt loses its saltiness, when we no longer look like followers of Jesus, it becomes very, very challenging to share our faith and actually tell people about Jesus. Now, 
This is what Jesus was driving at, right? When he looked and said, listen, salt can lose that saltiness. And I would argue this, that sometimes we don't share our faith because we're worried about what people are going to say. Yeah, I might not have the right answers, or I might get into a situation that I can't handle or navigate. I wonder, though, if sometimes we don't share our faith because we aren't actually ready to have our lives changed. Because I think we intuitively know that once I go out there and I start talking about Jesus, if I care at all about my integrity, I'm going to want to have to go the rest of the distance and actually become the kind of person that I'm talking to someone else about becoming. If I'm inviting you to become salt, I need to actually be salt. I wonder if, if sometimes not wanting my life to change and my values and my love to change is the stopper in me entering into sharing my faith. Because it, it's kind of crossing that threshold and once it's out there, I know I gotta, I gotta live up to the message that I'm telling other people. It's fascinating. Jesus would look and say, yeah, you're salt. He also looks at his Christ followers and he says, you're light. You're light. You're something different. You bring light into the darkness. Let's look at this passage as well. Here's what he says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. It says, instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says, hey, uh, man, you look at that. Imagine the ancient world, a, a town built on a hill. There's no electricity. You, you would have literally candles lit on that town, uh, lanterns lit up on the top of a precipice, everyone would be able to see that town built on a hill. It would be completely obvious that there's a town up there because it's lit for everyone to be drawn to. So you can't hide that. He says, nobody lights a lamp and then tries to put a bowl over it. That's counterintuitive. If you're lighting that, it, the purpose of it is to bring light with it, to bring illumination, to give light to everyone in the house. He says, nobody does those things. Nobody tries to hide the town on the hill. Nobody tries to squash the lamp with a bowl. Why would you try to hide the light within you? Don't you know I put that there, so to say? Jesus is looking at his followers and saying, this is who you are. You bring light into the dark world. You bring hope and illumination to a world that is scared and lost and looking for direction and looking for help. I was about seven years old and I was on this uh, Boy Scouting retreat. I'll never forget this. Somehow I got disconnected from like the rest of the pack. I have no idea how this happened. But I was the kid, seven years old, at the bottom of this path and up the top of this huge hill was this lodge like where everybody met. It's like the, the gathering spot. And I remember as it just got dark, I walked out of this building and found myself at the bottom of this path, and I knew I had to get up that hill and get to the lodges where everybody was, but it was pitch black. 
Like, if you've ever been in the woods in the middle of the dark, it is absolutely petrifying, right? So here's me as a little kid, and I look up at this path, which I could barely make out and could barely see, and I think to myself, Freddy Krueger is going to kill me, right? That was like my conclusion. And so I did what any seven-year-old kid would do. I began sprinting, right? Just like full throttle, sprinting up. And you know what happens as soon as you sprint in the woods? Every chipmunk, every squirrel, and every rabbit, and any, if there's any deer, they're all running through the leaves, right? And so now I'm like, I hear Freddy, right? Like full throttle running up through the, through the woods. And as I looked up and I was making my way out, I'm in, almost in tears, so scared for my life yeah, because Freddy for sure was going to kill me. I saw this like haze of light. I didn't see a light. I didn't see a ray of light. What I saw was the effects of light coming out. And I knew that's where I had to go. And I just ran towards that kind of glow of light. And I made it all the way up over the crest, right over the top of that hill. And it was right at the lodge. And I saw the light. And it was just lit up, the whole place, lights everywhere. It was fascinating. As soon as I got into the light, I wasn't afraid anymore. And right away, I thought, that's crazy. Like, there's no Freddy Krueger's not in those woods, right? That's probably a squirrel. Right away, reality hit because I was in the light. Life made sense. I was safe again. I found what I was looking for. What Jesus is saying is that if you're a follower of Jesus today, that you bring that to the world. That when people are looking for truth, and people are looking for direction, and they're looking for hope, and they're out of answers, and they don't know what to get out of bed in the morning for. I've been there. It's how I came to know Jesus. That they would look and say, you have, you have something that I want. You have something that I'm looking for. You have light. And they're drawn to you. Why? Not because we're great people. Uh, not because we live perfectly, not because we go to church, not because we behave, because Jesus lives in us. His light lives inside of a follower of Jesus, right? Inside of his followers. And he says, this is why you're the light. Let it shine. Be who you are called to be. Right. Let it all show up and begin to transform you. See, as I start sharing my faith and stretching my faith and changing my life, I start to live as the salt and the light that Jesus called me to be in the first place. I start to own that identity in a different way. Why? Because I kind of burn the bridges back to any other way. Now I'm a Jesus person. I'm salt. I'm light. It's out there. They know. And now, now I actually am being changed into who Jesus called me to be in the first place. My life starts to change because there's accountability to it. And here's what I would argue. As those good deeds start to show up in my life more and more, as I'm accountable, as I begin to, to live as light, Here's what happens, right? My life is changing, and here's what also happens. My message is being enhanced, right? It enhances my message. Let me show you the cycle. 
started by sharing my faith. It ends up in me stretching my faith. That causes me, my life to be changing. It actually enhances my message. Say, Ryan, how does that happen? As I start to own this identity, this salt and light identity, and see life change, it gets clearer and clearer to me that that my life and my message, got to fix this real quick, there we go, it becomes clearer and clearer to me that my message is about Jesus, that it's not about being a good person, it's not about how to vote, it's not about going to church, it's not about propping ourselves up and looking like we're something that we're not. I know that because I am being changed from the inside out. I'm being salt, I'm being light. So now my message is getting clearer because my message matches my life. I am starting to be the good news imperfectly that Jesus is calling me to bring to other people. Say, Ryan, what's a practical takeaway of how my message is enhanced? Here's one. We're going to start to make the message about what we're for, not what we're against. Not what we're against. Here's what starts to happen. When I start to understand grace in my life, that God loves me and is, he chose to love me simply because, not because of anything that I've done, I didn't earn it, I couldn't deserve it, he died for me and chose to love me. When I start to own that, it starts to get clearer and clearer to me that, that my message is about giving that love to other people. Did you know that one of the things that Christ followers are most known for is being judgmental, being hypocritical, uh, being anti a set of behaviors? See, I start to make my message not, not anti, not about what we're against, but about what we're for. Here's how Paul would say it. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, full of undeserved favor for people. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul would maybe say, make your message about what you're for, not what you're against. See, this changes everything, right? I'm going to start to approach what comes out of my mouth and what I type or post into social media completely, right? No longer is it about lighting somebody up or losing my mind in a political debate. Because that's not my message, right? My message is about Jesus and about seeing individuals transform from the inside out. That's what I believe. No longer am I going to just throw out a cutting joke or a sarcastic remark that might hurt someone. I'm going to think that through. I'm going to be wise in the way that I act toward outsiders. If you're a follower of Jesus today and you think through the fact that you have 50 or 100 or 125 or 500 or 5,000 friends on a social network, Think about what you would stand on a stage at church and say to that group of people. If you had one shot, what, what would be the thing that you would say to them? What, would it be about a political stance? 
But would, would it be about some coarse joke that, that probably is inappropriate for the faith that you believe? I'm not saying you should go preach on social media because that has its own issues. But we're going to think through carefully the platform of our lives, the message of our lives. Because here's what Jesus is driving at. It, you, your message, what you're saying out loud is tied to your life. It's who you are. You can't separate, this is how I act and this is what I believe. They're connected together and it's what we offer people. We, we are salt, we are light. It's who we are. So I want to offer what I'm for. I am for love. I am for Jesus. I'm for the eternal. Right? That, that's what I'm going to stand for. I'm for compassion. I'm for truth. I'm going to fight for those things. I, I'm not going to dive into or lead with everything that I'm against. Because I, I'm clear that my first priority is not your behavior or not your political stance or not your sin or not your past or your addiction. My priority, if I'm a follower of Jesus, is your soul. That's what I'm for. And that's what God is for, and he's trying to reach you there. Right? My message is enhanced as my life is changed. And here's what starts to happen. As my message is enhanced, it makes it more motivating and it makes it easier to share my faith because I don't have a guilty conscience about not living what I'm telling other people to live. I start sharing my faith some more and it stretches me some more and then I change because I'm owning my message more deeply on a personal level because I have to live it. It makes me clearer about what I'm communicating. It causes me to share my faith some more. It causes me to be better at it and more clean conscience in it, it causes me to become the message that Jesus is calling me to be. Not just say it, not just live it, but without words, connecting those two things together. Salt, light. Let your conversation, your words be seasoned that way. And we can start to see that there's a cycle that plays out. Maybe the salt and light cycle is what we would call it. I'm sharing my faith. I'm stretched. I'm changed. My message is enhanced. And it all plays out over and over again. Right? And we can see quickly that if I know that I'm going to get here, it might stop me from entering here even in the first place. Say, Ryan, what do we do with all this, right? How do we walk away with this today? Here's where I'd start. Uh, I would start with recognizing that some of us are in the room, and, and you're like me 19 years ago. You're, you're looking for hope, and you're not sure if it's Jesus or not, but you're open. It's why you're here. And I would look at you and I would ask you the question, have, have you been made into salt and light yet? Have you been changed from the inside out? I'm not asking you to become a good person. I'm not even asking you to attend church. 
I'm asking you, have you had a personal interaction with a Savior that can make you new on the inside, forgive your sin, take away the guilt residue, and offer you peace, purpose, and joy that's only available in him? It will not be easy, but it is what you're looking for. Has that happened to you yet? I love nothing more than for you to say, I want that to be true of me. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be made new on the inside, and I want my sins forgiven. How do I do it? I look at you and say, it's, it's actually fairly simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Simply looking and, and having a conversation with the God of the universe and saying, I'm sorry for how I've lived. Will you forgive me? I recognize that you sent Jesus here to pay for my sin, and I want to offer the direction and the control of my life over to you. I want to follow you. I receive the forgiveness you died to give me. Make me new. I'm done living my own life. And you don't have to say magic words or a special secret prayer. It's simply a heart cry to say, I want to be different. I can't live like this anymore. Change me from the inside out. Become salt and light. If you want that today, you can make that decision. You can pray and you can ask God and it'll happen in a moment. You will be someone new. And then for the rest of us who are maybe followers of Jesus here, Probably the question for us is, where do we start in all this? You know, maybe we've followed Jesus for a long time and in our lives maybe aren't as different as we want them to be from the people that we love and are, are trying to share with. Um, maybe we've been living around coworkers or neighbors for years or decades and we've never actually told them that we love Jesus. How do we start? And what do we do with all that? Well, I would, I would encourage you to, to start where I started in this whole process. When I, when I accepted Jesus, I was hurting people left and right. I was living 100% for me, and I was running over people in my life. And so for me to share my faith was, was literally an apology tour. I had to start, and I, someone encouraged me. They said, Ryan, start with humility. Start with humility. And I went and I talked to people in my life and said, man, I'm sorry that I've been such a jerk for all these things that I've done to you. Will you forgive me? My life is being changed. I, I started a relationship with Jesus. I just wanted to tell you about that. Can we talk? I, I looked at people in my life that, that I had lost connection to and say, hey, we haven't talked for a long time, but, but I need you to know I'm really different. God's changing my life. I'm sorry for how I was, and I'm still trying to figure it out, but I, I want to tell you about Jesus. Can we do that? What if we start with humility? If we haven't been living the way that 
that we should be living? What if we took a risk and we own that? I'm kind of a mess right now, but God's working in my life. Will you forgive me for, for how I've been? I just need to tell you I love Jesus and, and he's changing me. Maybe we haven't been sharing the way that we want to be sharing. Do you think someone would receive it if you looked at him and said, listen, we've been friends a long, long time. I'm sorry that I haven't told you this earlier, but I need to tell you now. Man, I bet they would. What if we started with humility and we just own it? And we say, I I recognize I am salt and light. I don't always live as salt and light, but I want to more and more. And we met people kind of right where we are and owned our life in our conversation. What if we made that our heartbeat and our habit? Listen, as the band comes out, I, I want to say this to you if you're a follower of Jesus today. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's who you are. You don't have to earn it. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from. That's who you are now. We simply have to be who Jesus says that we are. Can we meet Jesus in that reality and ask him to change us and to live the identity he's given? As the band comes out, would you pray with me? As we sing and we worship, let's do that together. Father, the the only thing that it makes sense to say is thank you. Lord, thank you for your mercy, for your grace on our lives, for forgiveness. And we just stand in awe of it today that you would choose to love us and forgive us And not only stop there, but include us in the mission of bringing light and hope and love and change to the people that you've placed us around. God, would you give us courage to be who you say we are? Would you give us courage to be salt and light and to own that identity? Lord, we ask that you would help us to begin. Help us to embrace humility. And we ask that you would use every effort to share you with the world around us and that many people might come to know you as you change us and we share you with others. Lord, would you speak to our hearts now? Direct us, move us, mold us, Lord, into the people you want us to be. It's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen.